wired in. Sorry? He's wired in. Is he? Yes. How about now? You're still wired in? Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. I don't know what you're going to steal the Declaration of Independence. I don't come from that. There was a gentleman in the is he wired in is he wired in are you wired in i know you're listening to wmuc digital college park where good radio is is great radio oh, i forgot how it goes but uh by the way i'm your host amir k back at you again episode three the date is november 19th 2020 I'm sitting right here with uh, Mike Sorokin. He is, uh, well, he's a uh, housemate of mine. I was gonna say roommate, we don't share a room. CTO of Mplex, local game developer, and uh, they've got a new game coming out. Uh, how you doing, man? Thanks for coming on the show. Hey, I'm doing as good as I can be in this period, this pandemic. So you got a, you got a new game coming out. Um, yeah. It's called Core Disruption. Uh, mm-hmm. Tell us about that. What uh, what kind of genre of game is it? Yeah, so Core Disruption is a, um, it's not a game that is like anything on the marketplace. So the concept is it's a tank game and it's in virtual reality. But um, unlike World of Tanks where your perspective is that you're outside of the tank and then you're controlling um, limited types of tanks, like the standard military um, track tanks, and uh-huh. like the Russian tanks, like M1 Abrams um, and uh, US tanks. We also have a futuristic aspect with hover tanks and similar games like Halo. Yeah, this race, yeah, move side to side, forward, back. I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. You, you played a little bit before. Oh, you, yeah. You know what it's like. Big Halo guy here. Big Forge. Yeah, I, got, <laughs> I got Arbiter right there. Hey, um, oh, I see it right here. Uh, that's sick. You gave me that as a gift. That's dope. That's dope. Uh, so you said it's a virtual reality game. So you're inside the tank. Um, kind of, could you explain uh, what kind of virtual reality is um, and kind of how it's different from augmented reality? Mm-hmm. So virtual reality is a term coined by Jaron Lanier, who is known as the founder of VR. Um, And VR came about in the 1990s when at the time the headsets that were produced were like these really blocky, massive looking contraptions that were mainly used in arcades. And um, the experiences that were attempt to be made for it were multi-shared experiences or trying to do this um, collaborative environment with a mul- like people in the same arcade playing together. Right. Um, so the term virtual reality is used to describe a virtual environment that doesn't necessarily have to be shared with anyone, but it's just this mm-hmm. um, like you should put on a device and you go into another world. Right. And you look around and you're like, it looks, it feels like you're inside like a tank, like in core disruption. That's it. Um, so, and then you have augmented reality, right? Yeah. That's like Pokemon Go, right? <laughs> Where it's like you point at something on the table and then, um, and then like you could pretend to catch Pikachu on your freaking bedside nightstand. I don't know who plays Pokemon Go. Um, a lot of people still do. I'd a say. lot of people still do. I One want to of see the that. people in my company. He's the uh, like he's a big Pogo <laughs> Pokemon Go leader. Oh, that's sick. So he like has a group chat and they all talk about how to obviously pre COVID mm-hmm. about um, like what raids are there at the moment. Like if people want to go meet up and like catch like rare Mewtwo mm-hmm. or something. So you had um, you do have an augmented reality portion of the game though, right? Correct. You're developing an app so you can. Um, well, you, you, you tell me. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I could explain a little bit what augmented reality is and how it differs from oh, right. yeah. virtual reality. So augmented reality, like you said, Pokemon Go is a good example. It's um, this application that you use on like a mobile device or like there's even like AR glasses that companies like Apple and Microsoft um, have been developing. 
and it's essentially like a filter over the real world. So unlike virtual reality, where it's you're in a new environment and everything you see is like um, someone constructed it with, with the models or um, the like building themselves. Right. Augmented reality is just I can point my phone at something or look at something and like a Pokemon will pop up or just some sort of overlay of a model into um, into your real world and it will track alongside um, your phone. It will remember right. basically where you place that model or um, there's like a new concept with AR called spatial anchors, which is basically like um, you can save a spot here. Like I, I can say, okay, look at this table. Mm -hmm. I'm going to um, place down a Pikachu right here. Right. And then I love how it's all Pokemon goes. So <laughs> yes. And someone else can open their phone and they can see that same thing that you uh, you place down. In the same place on the table. In the same place. Oh, cool. Using a, like cloud technology. It's it's a relatively um, new concept. Um the, the cloud, wait, could you mention what the cloud is? Because I always think of, you know, it's like, oh, it goes to the cloud, and it's just like this this thing that you just send stuff This to. magical place yeah. where it just accepts, like, anything. <laughs> just anything. Just all of my pictures uh, all, all the time just yeah. to be hacked by anybody. But what actually is, in a computing sense of the term, what actually is the cloud? So have you seen the new documentary, Social Dilemma? I did actually, I did, I did. I got some thoughts about that, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> so the, the reason I bring that up is because I guess the real origin of that comes from big corporations like Facebook and Google, like the big four, as um, Marilyn likes to call it. Um, basically, it's just like these computers that are always running and they're, they're like, um, I guess in those corporations, they're kind of like these big towers that just sit there and... Are they like servers in a way? Yes. Okay. And the server is basically just a computer that um, is running and always processing data, but like there's, you don't have something specifically visual to look at. Uh, it's just a computer that's just, it's just running, just chugging along. Yeah, it's okay. just processing cool. a bunch of formulas or um, in the case of data, it's storing all your favorite social media. Um, oh, great! <laughs> all my all my ad revenue, everything that you can sell them. <laughs> everything they have, everything, and they're selling that to third parties. Um, that that's another topic. Um, but the idea is that all the services that you sign up for, um, they create this web for you, and they have like this big social network that. Um, can be like, all right, this person is linked to uh, like a bunch of these social media accounts mm -hmm. and your data and your information is stored on there for other people to access. Uh, but Typically, you can... third party, like they, they sell it to third party vendors who buy that and then they could do stuff with that. Right. So I think, isn't the, I heard that the, advantage of having you know cloud computing is that like for example like when my when my phone when my 100,000th picture of a random turtle takes up too much space um, <laughs> instead of just keeping it on my little like six gigabyte hard drive and like having to delete stuff all the time essentially Apple just gives me access to some of their computing power and then I just get to go and like look at my picture when I want to go look at it but it's not downloaded physically on my device right it's something that's stored on that tower and it's just gonna sit there and like Apple, but you're paying for that service. Right. Um, so you're just and paying it to be stuck somewhere. That makes more sense, yeah. You're like kind of paying for your share of like computing power that you're using. And speaking of uh, computing power, there's, I guess Bitcoin is like a new, Bitcoin mining is like a new thing that um, you can, Typically, people do it on their own machines, but like servers can run Bitcoin mining, and it's basically they just process a bunch of formulas that generate you X amount of Bitcoin per hour, and 
it's just a bunch of math just doing itself yeah. over and over and over again. And that's like giving value to Bitcoin. Exactly. Wow. Why? I don't know. Like, <laughs> I, I just, I can't wrap my head around it. I mean, if I can, I sell Bitcoin for gold, but then like, why did we assign gold value? It doesn't really have any, you know, I can't make a really good pot out of gold. I mean, it'd be kind of, it'd be kind of clout, but it wouldn't be a very useful pot. Um, yeah. It's a new thing that I think, I think I saw like a month ago that um, like Bitcoin, the the value of Bitcoin increased. And like if you bought it like a month ago, you'd be, you're like, it's going, it's going up right now. So it's going oh, yeah. to burst. And, um, yeah. Isn't it like 10,000 Bitcoin is like one cent or something like that? It's like a crazy always, big exchange rate. It always varies. I'm gonna look that up right now. I got I gotta know. Bitcoin exchange rate. Definitely at eight peak right now. Oh my god, one Bitcoin equals seventeen thousand nine hundred and forty nine US dollars. Yeah, the, a year ago I think it was seven thousand. What? That's <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. Guys, you heard it here first. We're investing in Bitcoin. <laughs> You definitely didn't hear, if you're investing in Bitcoin, you definitely did not hear it here first. I would say you probably don't do it now because that is going to go down. In a bit. That's true, yeah. It's, um, the bubble is about to burst. I'm not an expert on it, so do not, <laughs> do not quote trust us anything that is said on this um, please, radio show. Please do not take investment tips from us. Um, so going back to uh, virtual reality, um, who are like kind of the big players right now? I keep getting Oculus. Um, Oculus ads all the time on Instagram. Um, I know PlayStation is trying to do something, get into that market too. Like, who are the big players that are selling these VR kits? So let's go in chronological order. We can start in um, what well, I mentioned. Like the very early stages of VR were made by this guy named, like, were founded by this guy named Jaron Lanier, who made like these big bulky headsets. They were not commercial. They were mainly just like for big enterprise and like arcades. Like mm -hmm. it was not something that everyone can have in their living room. Um, so come around like 20 years later in 2010. And that is when Brendan Areeb, who hey. a lot of people know, he is a, an alum of Maryland. There's a building after him. Let's go. Yeah. It's the, I, I really like it. Some people actually don't like the building, but anyway, no. I digress. <laughs> it has a unique style for sure. It's yeah. like Silicon Valley based theme. If you had to make what the comp side building would look like at UMD, it would probably look like that. Yeah. So credit to them. But um, yeah, so Arib, anyway, you were saying. So um, Brennan Arib, he donated $3 million and, um, well, before I get to that point, actually, uh, He's the one who founded, I guess, the commercial, first commercial VR headset known as the Development Kit 1, the Oculus DK1. And um, at the time, there wasn't like, you know, that wasn't a concept. Like, virtual reality was just this big, like... It was like a thing of the future. Thing. It yeah. wasn't like... It was like computers in the 70s, essentially. Like yeah. Big, like, and how no. computers, you know, like... They started off like with these gigantic um, towers that you have to do punch cards. Yeah, and like a screen literally the size of like your thumb. Like, and you're like just putting little commands in. Yeah. Uh, uh, start from there and slowly start to shrink um, in size and increase in data storage. So, with this headset, um, Brendan and Michael Antonov, who is another UMD alum, and also the CTO of Oculus. They met Palmer Lucky in Palmer Lucky concepted the idea of the development kit one in his base in in his garage. And he showed it to a couple of people slowly starting traction. Then, what year around would would you say this was? I'd say this was late two thousands. Okay. So right before... Was Obama president yet? That's a good question. <laughs> I'm kidding, guys. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it 
probably was <laughs> like in the middle, but um, so Brendan Arib, he created this first concept and um, so Oculus was like the first one. Yeah, Oculus was kind of the start. Okay. It spread all of it spread out to um, a Valve, which is the the people who made Half Life and Portal. I love Portal. That's a fun game, and we can talk about that later. But <laughs> yeah, so they made they partnered with HTC and they made the HTC Vive. So the HTC Vive and then Oculus's second iteration, the Development Kit Two, were what kind of started this commercial spread of VR and people could start buying the headsets and getting a computer that is reasonable enough that most modern computers and most people who play games today can support, could definitely support those headsets at the time on their computer already. Um, and then PlayStation came along like maybe a year later and they were smart to grab onto the concept of VR and you know they a lot of people don't know this, but they're an early adopter of VR as well. And they actually sold more units than Oculus and oh wow HTC. That's it. So so we got we got Oculus, we got HTC Valve, and HTC Vive, and, and HTC Vive. That's from Valve. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, PlayStation, they're the big players. Um, we're approaching, uh, you know, 12 minutes, 13 minutes. I don't have my watch on me. Uh, into the show, uh, we got to go to our first music break. Um, if you can guess the theme of the songs that we're going to play uh, by the end of the show, um, you will get nothing. You will get the satisfaction of knowing it. But uh, yeah, be right back, guys.
Listening to By the Way with Amir K on WMUC Digital. I'm here with Mike Sorokin, uh, CTO of Mplex, and, and uh, creator of the game Core Disruption, coming out soon. Um, so, you you like we met this uh, year. We both live in the same house, and uh, you asked if I wanted to come and uh, test your game out. And let me tell you guys, listening at home. This is the most fun you will ever have. It will shake you to your core. You put this VR headset on and you sit, <laughs> you sit down at the desk and you're immediately immersed into this like whole other world. Like you look to your right, look to your left and like, everything around you is as if it's I mean, virtual reality. <laughs> That's what the word is. Um, the most disorienting thing in the world is taking out your hands to maybe touch the keyboard or a controller and then just like not being in front of you. Uh, that's really disorienting, but uh, yeah, that's been fun. Uh, wanted to ask you how, so how does virtual reality, like when you put the headset on, how does it actually work? How does it know where your head is? Um, and like, what's the technology behind that? Yeah, so with a virtual reality headset comes, uh, at least with the, newer headsets comes to sensors typically. And there is what's called inside out and outside in tracking. So basically the sensors have like a pattern that the, uh, and uses infrared technology in order to detect the pattern on the headset itself. Like there's like certain dots. Like if you were to mm -hmm. show like an infrared view Right. Of what the headsets and sensors are doing. It's basically tracking its position relative to those sensors. It's like in movies when um, when uh, they uh, want to put someone CGI in and they have like the, or not in movies, more in video games where they have people motion captured. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like that where you have exactly. like the dots and you have like light shining dots and it's tracking like that. Exactly. That's oh, exactly nice. what it is. Um, so. Essentially taking that concept that's like like you need a whole setup for that, right? You need like curtains to yeah. holster up the You need a Hollywood movie budget essentially. Yeah. yeah. And there that's you're getting a minified version of that um, in your living room. So um, that's just position tracking and over the years they've like had different types of these sensors, like um, so there's the Oculus sensors, which are like, they're just like sticks that like, um, that you 
Well, actually, the I'm thinking about the consumer version one headset, which if we go back a generation from where we are now, mm -hmm. those headsets, you had to put two of those um, tracking devices on your table. And that's how you get basically this wide range of tracking where it, there's like an angle that shoots out. You can literally look behind you. It's so weird. It's so weird. Yeah. Um, before, it used to be like if you only had one of those sensors, mm -hmm. when you look behind, you're, you would get lost typically because it could only do oh my like God, so scary. 45 <laughs> degrees. So like you go here and then the world just freezes. The world would just go black. <laughs> it it wouldn't go black. It would just freeze. And then oh, you man. would get sick because like the whole world is <laughs> the whole world rotating is with your head. <laughs> Oh god, that's terrifying. <laughs> yeah, and um, they luckily they improved on that with. Um, so that was like a Reeb setup when he was like in his garage. It was like <laughs> yes. people just like throwing up because <laughs> they couldn't see straight. Yeah, so. there's a camera that you put on. on that was a, a development kit one. There's camera they put on top of the computer, and then like that was even worse tracking. Basically, <laughs> like a webcam. Like connect. Yeah. Was like that a, a shot at Xbox Connect? The Connect has actually been like very useful for technology, even though it really? was not a great consumer oh God, product. It sucks. It's great for research and like the reason why virtual even became a thing. I'd say it's thanks to the Connect. Oh really? Uh, I don't. I feel like that's where Xbox really started just going downhill when they started. Putting connect and yeah, everything, force, yeah. yeah, they force in everything. They're like, get your Xbox and pay a hundred extra dollars for Connect, and you're like, what does it do? <laughs> it's yeah, like, that's you are the controller. That's a thing. It's like it just doesn't work at all. Xbox <laughs> did not go the path that PlayStation. Did. PlayStation was able to like locate that um, VR was something that people were gonna it's latch onto, like. Like in order for virtual reality experience to be great, you need a software. Like, like you have the hardware that's great, but that's only part of the puzzle. Uh, the experiences that um, companies like ours are putting together, like people are looking for something that is has a lot of depth and has a, like a lot of replay value. And VR experiences, it's been a shame, but I, I guess throughout its lifetime, while the hardware has been improving, the experiences have been far and few. Oh, the games suck. <laughs> yeah. Like, the games, there's a lot of cool concepts. And I think this year um, there's been some, like, standout VR games. But even then, they, they don't really, like, you don't hear people talking right. about they're it. They're kind of like industry. Like, they're, they're not putting out games like Call of Duty, like Modern Warfare 2. It's like a multiplayer phenomenon and like makes little kids and grown men cry in the waiting lobbies <laughs> um they're more just like like surgeon simulator and stuff like i know surgeon simulator is the vr game no it actually is oh it is <laughs> that, that was the game i demoed when i was the virtual reality club president that was like the most common thing oh. to demo oh, but I, it was just like a five minute demo yeah uh, there's also this horror game that i've heard of that my i can't put my finger on it that I've heard is really good. You might be thinking of Dread Halls. Maybe. It's one where you go through the same hallway over and over yep, and over Yep, a labyrinth. Again. Oh, I heard that's really scary. Yeah, that that did frighten me. Um, there's like a part where there's just like this giant gargoyle <laughs> that starts <laughs> chasing you. God, time. in virtual reality, that's like even worse. Yeah, horror. horror games are, it sucks. There hasn't really been like a well-known one for VR, and that's like where it can be used right. very well. Um, when I was playing your game, the first thing I noticed when I got one of the hover tanks was it drives, for all my Halo fans out there, it drives just like a race. Like, you guys nailed the physics of, like, when you go right and you stop pressing right, like, you still, like, glide just a little bit. Uh, it's really good. It's, uh, yeah. Appreciate so you, the promo. <laughs> um, yeah, so you guys got a uh, tournament planned for the, for the launch of the game. Uh, how's that? How's the tournament going to go? Yeah, we were, um, so we actually had a tournament in February. That was a qualification round. And basically, 
it's kind of like over the period of two weeks, we just started trying to recruit as many <laughs> people as possible to get into the tournament. Um, and we held demos in the rebuilding where we got, I think we got like 50 people to sign up and participate. And it's a three versus three tournament. So it's, you form a group of three people and it's like street basketball, three v three. Yeah, NBA street v three, but with tanks. <laughs> with tanks, and the the core disruption version of Rust. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but we ran it right before COVID, and we yeah. had that like those people's audience too, and it took eight hours. But we we did the whole thing. We had um, some people talk, like basically people from the Washington Capitals Esports League. Hey. They were interested in our game and were able to commentate on it. Just like oh, that's cool. Like all the people who were that's playing cloud. Steam. That's mad cloud. <laughs> yeah, we wanna use that as marketing. And at the time the map that we had was not as developed. So we want this new tournament, we wanna make it as polished as we possibly can to really show people that you know this is a game that has contention to AAA games out there and it's something that can look visually appealing as well and uh, like just entice uh no not everyone's like an avid like tank world of tanks player but seeing like like you said like the new hover tank and how that's like a new concept in our game and that's something we can like build going forward and into like sequels or a game where we have like spider tanks that jump onto buildings and like yo how crazy would that be that would be so disorienting in virtual reality but um, and it would be so cool in virtual reality at the same time it'd be like going on a roller coaster um how long you guys been working on the game so we started in uh 2015 we started at big camp which is a hackathon that's held in Maryland, we created the concept of the game there. We wanted to make an experience in virtual reality that didn't produce simulation sickness or reduced it as much as it could. And we thought that tanks moving around was, you know, it's like slow, it's slower, fast thing. pace. It's like a nice um, step to, like, as most VR games cause sickness. Right. People have to have hand controllers for the most part and they have to walk around but um everyone knows one person that gets motion sickness and everything so oh yeah <laughs> yeah that's true too so multiply that times like a hundred probably <laughs> yeah but like even for people who you know regularly play games it's like exhausting like you have to get up like walk around and yeah maybe there's some people who are like really into vr like that's great for them but what about the people who just want to like come down from work and just want to, you know, maybe sit down and maybe shoot some tanks, <laughs> shoot some tanks, just sit down and you can still relax, have an make it a relaxing thing. Yeah. I mean, it's like, or not relaxing it is a, at your face. But. Yeah. It is a war game, but maybe relax not the river, but it's like, like, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't expend as much energy as like you're putting in. Like, it's, it's a fun thing to do. Um, hold that thought. We'll, um, we're going to go to another music break now. Um, you're listening to WMUC Digital, and uh, we'll be right back. I'd like to be under the sea in an octopus's garden in the shade. Let us in, knows where we've been, in his octopus's garden, in the shade. I'd ask my friends to come and see. Be 
below the storm In our little hideaway beneath the waves Resting our head on the seabed In an octopus's garden near a cave We would shout and swim about the coral that lies beneath the waves Oh what joy for every girl and boy Knowing they're happy and they're safe We would be so happy you and me No one there to tell us what to do I'd like to be in an octopus's garden with you In an octopus's garden with you In an octopus's garden with you Start a startup with other startups at Startup Shell. Get started at startupshell.org. What is up, guys? Welcome back. We're here with Mike Sorokin, CTO of Mplex, um, and the one of the creators for the new game Core Disruption. Um, so I wanted to ask you, like, as a game developer, like, you sit down at your laptop, you've just decided that I'm going to make a video game. Like, what's the what's the first thing that you like program in there? <laughs> you like type some keys and then drop in the thing. I don't know. <laughs> The first thing that, um, you know, I started game development, like, when I was, I'd say, in, like, middle school, when, you know, I, there was a popular game called Maple Story, and I wanted to um, edit parts of it. Like, people had, um, like, you technically weren't allowed to make, like, a local copy of the game, but um, people were able to, people being geniuses, like, extracted parts of the game and were able to reproduce it as a downloadable zip yeah. file. So was it like a flash game? No, maybe story is like a online a MMO RPG, okay. like World of Warcraft or gotcha, gotcha. RuneScape. Um so tinkering around in that environment and then um like creating my own version of that. I'm technically not legal, but um, it got me in thinking like Feds are listening. Gavin, get out. <laughs> yeah. If the next song wants to come after me. <laughs> Turn off the stream right now. It's, we got to get out of here. It's over, yeah. but, um, but using that as an opportunity to be like, okay, well, I have these tools I can use. Let me first learn how to use the tools. Um, this is something like, this is actually not even in a game engine today. It's just like, something you download like basically like raw content and you learn code just by looking at examples of what other people have done and like having a community online where you can talk to other developers and exchange ideas be like yeah. all right well um i want to have this npc or non-playable character do something <laughs> like like in, like in Skyrim. Like, need something? <laughs> yeah, pro program the audio. Um, but just learning first the engine or the tools where you're provided, like transitioning to nowadays um, with Unity or Unreal Engine. There's a lot of great tutorials to get you up to speed, and that's what I did when I first 
went into those engines that we use to develop our game. So what is like a game engine? Um, you know, I, I boot up FIFA and I hear they got like a, the Unreal Engine or something that works now. And I'm like, oh, I have no idea what that means. <laughs> like what, what does a game engine do for a game? It's basically like the world that you're creating for, um, like for FIFA, for example, you're creating like the building blocks from creating the stadium, modeling the stadium. Well, there's what's called three modelers who, mm -hmm. who create those game assets that are basically like recreating uh, physical models and placing them into the world. Like okay. that, that's a position. So you don't have to code it like from scratch every time. You can just like actually just edit it and just like look at it. Like, let me put a soccer ball in there and it'll just do it. Yeah, it's not feasible to do what they did in like the 70s or 80s. It's just like, all right, let's start with a triangle and then <laughs> just move it across. Let's the... make more triangles. That's what a game and engine is. More triangles. It's just triangles. And then the N64 was like, well, we make. 64 tri is it, it's probably more than 64 but it's like let's make yeah. more triangle it's just like um i don't know it's pretty amazing how we started from you know i mean the same thing with hardware it's just like going from transistors right. and building that up the transistors can send packets of data to your operating system and then send it across to people across the world, like with a game engine, you're doing that with triangles, you're starting from triangles, creating those um, like models and creating like the FIFA stadium, the soccer balls. But there's also like, there's just so many things you can do. It's just like an infrastructure that allows you to apply techni technical skills, but get a visual result. Right. You can. Essentially, you can work like as an artist and not strictly as a computer programmer. You can actually like see what everything looks like, how it interacts, like what the physics kind of are like. Then you can play around with that if you want. Exactly. That's cool. That makes sense. Um, so you were talking about how uh, you started getting into VR, mm -hmm. um, and then we went on this tangent of uh, game engines. Uh, so like, yeah, first day of core disruption. Sit down. You're like, all right, guys, we're gonna do this. What's the first thing? So, first thing is, I think, well, if we're talking about our game itself, it's kind of unique because we started at a hackathon. But um, it was me and my co-founder, Gion Stetsuk. We sat down, brainstormed ideas over like, okay, you know, there's a bunch of virtual reality concepts we can do, but you know, what's our main goal? And our main goal was to do something that wouldn't make people sick. Mm -hmm. So we built our game around that idea and we try to look into mechanisms where, you know, there's certain, like, certain things that people do in the real world, like when they're in the car, like what gets them sick and how does that apply in the virtual world? Like if you're moving in the car, can you replicate that? in VR? Well, mm -hmm. no, because like there's variable terrain that moves up and down in the real world and you're staying still in the virtual world. So um, I guess to go back to your question, it's just like forming that idea and then you have like a track to build around mm -hmm. and build towards and then you start I guess for triangles. <laughs> triangles. You start with triangles, and then you make uh, squares. <laughs> and then what? We graduate. We get to squares, and then oh, that's what they talk about when they talk about polygons. I always hear tech people on the shows when they like aren't written by tech people. They always just talk about polygons and stuff. It's all squares and triangles. Squares and triangles. Damn, is that what the PlayStation is? Uh, like why its buttons are squares and triangles and. Circles and hmm. I didn't think of that. I, I think the X button is called like cross triangle circle. I did hear about that. PlayStation Sony came out and they said that the X button is actually the cross button. Oh, is that like a huge What a load shot. of what a load yeah. of crap that is. <laughs> You're telling me I'm supposed to call this 
<laughs> if I'm playing Madden, co-op Madden with my friend, and I want him to pass to X, I'm supposed to tell him to press cross. And the thing is, the Xbox controller, the X is on the left side. Oh, yeah. And then the PlayStation's on the bottom, so like when you're... I always you're go like, press X, like, wait. Which X? Which, and they're both blue. <laughs> Do you notice that? Yeah, you just have to remember the controller. There's like, like things you have to remember. Every time I play Madden on a PlayStation, I always throw to the wrong receiver because of that. <laughs> because on Xbox, my bread and butter is pressing X. I don't know why. I think it throws the tight end or something. Like, that's that's my bread and butter. But, like, then I go to the PlayStation, I always throw to the wide receiver. Um, which What's your favorite controller? You say PlayStation or Xbox? Xbox. Yeah, oh, that wasn't even close. Really? Yeah, the three, <laughs> I think, just because, I might be nostalgia, but, yeah. you know, playing it's the Halo. Halo. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's specifically not even just the controller, but, like, the technology used inside the game, because Halo has something called auto-aim. Aim assist is, like, it gives you, like, a little nudge with, with a joystick to make it so that, oh, if you're nudging the joystick, it won't, like, go way past... Yeah. The player's head it would kind of just like lock there for a bit right. and once you get closer to the person when you're aiming it gets a little bit slower so that like it's like it's like almost like you're in aim mode instead of look around mode correct yeah all right guys it's been nine minutes now we're going to do our third and final music break when we come back we'll tell you the theme and um maybe we'll wrap up the show i don't know maybe we'll just keep going on forever stay tuned guys <laughs>
Welcome back, guys. You are listening to By The Way with Amir K. Um, so we played so far Radio Gaga by Queen, Octopus's Garden by The Beatles, and In The Air Tonight by Phil Collins. Uh, Mike, before I reveal, do you, do you have any guesses what the, what the theme is for the music? Uh, it's um, all these songs were written by drummers. Radio Gaga was written by Roger Taylor from Queen. Uh, Octopus Garden was uh, sung by Ringo Starr. One of his very, one of I think only two of his songs with the Beatles. Um, and then in the air tonight, obviously Phil Collins, yeah, the man. Was... Did you hear about the new COVID strain? You were telling me the other day while we were cooking. Um, there's yeah. a new COVID strain, and is it Denmark or something? I think it. So in Denmark, there was a. Denmark has um, a huge mink farm, so minks are What's like a mink. It's are, like a... are like you know heard of like mink fur, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Like a lot of rappers that <laughs> they're like, I got mink fur. <laughs> um, but like, oh, I'm looking at them. Oh, they're like uh, they're kind of like ferrets, right? Yeah, they are like ferrets, except they got <laughs> dope ass fur. <laughs> yeah, they're they're great for clothing. But they apparently can transmit and um, receive COVID, like the coronavirus. It, um, it, was, it was a problem that they thought was going to spread in other places like America. There's actually mink farms in North Dakota and South Dakota. Um, and they thought <laughs> Big because <mink> spot. <laughs> this new strain of um, the virus, like, there's like a... It's a new strain? It's like a new strain that Bruh. would... But there, there's good news, though. Oh, okay. Um, like this new strain couldn't combat against antibodies um, because there's like a spike that prevents the white blood cells from... What? <laughs> it's like super COVID. Yeah. Um, but Fauci said that you shouldn't have to... Not um, to worry. Not to he worry. said not to worry. All right. About the mink, um, the mink virus. The Maybe that's what it's called. <laughs> the mink virus. And the response in Denmark was to slaughter like fifty million. Oh my god, fifty million. <laughs> All right, some fifty million minks. Oh my god. Um, poor, these poor animals. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so. If I did have to pick like one country though, I probably would pick like Scandinavia, like Denmark, if I wanted a country to like handle a new virus outbreak. Uh, How's the healthcare is there is pretty, is it free? Is probably, <laughs> it's probably free. <laughs> Let's yeah. be real. Uh, you know, I tell people that, you know, so much of COVID testing nowadays is like usually free. Um, like, even if you don't have insurance, the government subsidizes it. Mm -hmm. uh, and I just love telling people, it's like, isn't free, <laughs> isn't free healthcare great? Like, you can just actually go when you feel sick and you don't have to, like, worry about, you know, going broke. Anyway, I digress. We were talking about minks. I don't even know. Um, not to worry, though. <laughs> not to worry, not, yes. Fauci said, said we're, we're good. <laughs> Fauci said we're good. Oh, my God. Where's my time? And the new vaccine is uh, coming about 95%. That's what I was going to say. It was on the tip of my tongue. Um, Pfizer and Moderna 
uh, I've been seeing a lot of memes of like, <laughs> like you know the Drake where he's like, nah, this <laughs> yeah. and this. There's like the, the Pfizer vaccine, nah, and then like the Moderna one, yeah. Because oh, um, wow. I think the Pfizer one was like 90% effective when it oh. came out, and everyone was like, oh my god, but it's not like 90%. That's an A minus. And then Moderna came out like three days later, and there's like ours is 95% effective. How do they determine the, like, I mean, obviously they do tests and, like, they have um, trials where they, like, right. bring humans together and then get a, like, consensus, but um, is it really, like, because there's, like, uh, what's what's it called? Um, what's the term? Like, you get, you don't get the actual treatment. You get the placebo. placebo. Yeah. Right. Um, so, like, how, I want to just... I never yeah, really dived into like how they merge to because I know there's three steps to vaccine development and the third one always takes the longest. So the third one is just trials and you just literally have to wait for people like to see if they get symptoms like of other side effects and stuff. So I'm curious. I mean, I'm sure it's safe if, if the FDA like approves it then Hey, we have to, we have to listen to what they say, but um, I think the one with the Moderna vaccine that also makes it a lot better is that it doesn't need to be held cold. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, the Pfizer one needs to be like refrigerated or well, something. Well, like negative like 90 degrees. Yeah. Fahrenheit. So that would, that would obviously make it hard to like vaccinate as many people. That would hinder a lot of, uh, a lot of countries. Like, exactly. Especially that, in like, like the global it. South and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, that would be tough, but, uh, Hey, I think they're saying by, well, by the end of the year, Frontline workers will, um, what's it called? Get a dosage for them, mm -hmm. um, and then they're saying like early 2021. That's when uh, people with who are you know compromised and the elderly can get it. And they're saying that the general public can probably get it around April. Mm -hmm. um, but Fauci says that it will be available in April, but we probably won't like uh, have the in herd immunity from the vaccine until like maybe like September because he says that people are probably not going to take it. And even ah, pain, you know, the pain meme. This, is yeah, like the, this thing isn't going to go away fast. Uh, all right. Well, looks like we're running out of time. Mike, I could talk to you all day, but uh, I got to throw it over to Evan Heck, that uh, the time warp. Uh, but Hey, thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciated it. Yeah. Um, I Anything to plug? Home. Yes, yeah. please. Um, so if you check out mplexvr.com, that is our, our company is mplex. Uh, that'll give you a brief overview of the kind of stuff that we do with um, motion sickness and how we try to alleviate that. That's a big pain point that we're trying to fix in the VR industry. And then coredisruption.com is where you can get information about aspects in the game as well as the upcoming tournament, which we still don't have a date yet, but we want to shoot for sometime next semester so we will stay tuned. we'll post on our twitter as well man mike sorokin everybody uh be sure to follow mplex vr on instagram as well as check out their facebook page and uh coredisruption.com uh, we're off next week for thanksgiving so please stay safe have a happy thanksgiving and uh see you guys later have a great rest of your thursday surely you can't be serious i am serious and don't call me shirley Steal the declaration. Oh, this young man, the people. Oh, no, 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 no. W-N-W-N-U-T. Then call it Fox.